Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that inspire and break through that illusion of separation. I trust something you hear in the next hour will inspire you to step into your fullest sense of health, well-being, and inner peace. And why do I think that? Well, let's start with this. What if there was one regular practice that if you could adopt it, It would reduce stress, anxiety, insomnia, pain, and even substance abuse. What if it would decrease depression, your cholesterol levels, free radicals running around in your body, and even your medical costs? Imagine that. And imagine lowering your blood pressure and reducing your risk of congestive heart failure, stroke, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. Is this enough of a list? Well, if you think not yet to convince you, how about if you can improve your brain functioning, your intelligence, creativity, intuition, learning, and even your academic performance? Yes, all of that. And you'll live longer and a more productive life. Why do I say all of this? Well, if you're intrigued, the medical field is as well. More than 380 peer-reviewed research studies on this practice have been published published in more than 160 scientific journals and conducted at more than 200 universities and research centers, including Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and UCLA medical schools. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, And settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest today. Sam Katz has been a certified teacher of Transcendental Meditation for more than 40 years, during which time he has offered meditation classes to professionals in businesses, government, hospitals, and schools, as well as private classes to the general public. Mr. Katz currently serves as the National Director of Communications for the Transcendental Meditation Program in the U.S. and works closely with the David Lynch Foundation to help make meditation available to at-risk populations, including inner-city students, women at risk, veterans returning home from conflict and and veterans returning home from combat with PTSD, and they're doing so much more. I'm looking forward to this show because it's going to be the first part of two. We're going to invite um, Bob Roth back to talk about the David Lynch Foundation. But for now, we are really going to dig into Transcendental Meditation with Sam. So welcome, Sam. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, I really appreciate having you here, and I love this topic. Can't wait to talk about all the different ways that we can look at the benefits of this um, and and really look at it inside and out. There's so much going on right now. And thanks to you guys at the Transcendental Meditation Program and, and the David Lynch Foundation, you are doing amazing outreach and public service. So I appreciate you all so much. So thank you for that. But first, Sam, I have a traditional question here 
on the Dr. Julie show. And we really like to set our conversations here into a bigger meme. So I'm going to start with that and ask you, what does all things connected mean to you? Well, I have to say that when I first came across your radio show, I was especially enamored by the name of this show. All Things Connected is what I believe to be the future of where mankind is going, where our culture is heading. You see that in so many ways. You see that in the field of healthcare. You see that in the field of rehabilitation. You see that in the field of education. We're living in a in a world right now that is trying to move away from separation and finding what it is that actually connects all of us. And I think that most people would agree that in their quieter, more silent moments, they feel more connected with others, with their friends, with their family, with their spouse. And I think that's the direction we're going is discovering that quietness within us. Mm. Thank you. I love that. That just brings me into that quiet place, just hearing your voice say that and, and mentioning that word. So thank you for that. You know, it's it's also a really good observation. Yesterday, I, um, well, actually the last 72 hours, um, I am a, a legal guardian person or a medical power of attorney for a family member. And we've been in the ER twice and then on the floor. And I've watched as here we are trying to bring these systems together, creating this all things connected thing that you speak of and, and literally um, witnessing all of these systems that were so separate. Um, our local um, regional medical centers moved into having hospitalists instead of primary care docs following and, and the communication was broke down between specialists and people weren't showing up and some said there'd be different things happening that were never happening and it was really quite evident that all of us moving toward this place is is just going to be a breath of fresh air so i appreciate that comment and then moving us into that quiet so sam i remember when i first heard about transcendental meditation it was decades ago i was working on my phd and my mentor advisor in my program began talking about it and and as a Westerner, it was like kind of confusing at that time because we were talking about transcendental meditation and it seemed like it was synonymous with Maharashi and, and, and the yogis and then there's the yoga and there was so much going on back then. And, and what I learned to be true is, no, it's not the same thing. They're not synonymous. So let's start there and just define transcendental meditation for our listeners. What is it and what is it not? I think you bring up a great point, Julie, which is that the whole field of meditation back then and even now, I would say even more so now, it's a little bit of a um, crowded field. And unlike other industries, you could say there are no government regulations. You can um, have a thought and put out a a little sign say, I'm teaching meditation, and we don't really know what that is. It could be something very effective. It could be something that just is effective for certain people. Transcendental meditation is a very specific program, and what's interesting about it is that there have been, uh, as you mentioned, 381 peer-reviewed journal uh, studies that have appeared in peer-reviewed journals. There's actually over 700 studies in totality, 
And this comes from about 40 years of research or 42 years of research. So the reason I bring that up is because we actually really understand what transcendental meditation is, both in its longitudinal effects and how it how people are um, benefited from this in a cumulative way over the years and the decades, and also immediate effects as well. Transcendental meditation is a simple, very specific, simple mental technique. You sit down in a chair, you close your eyes, and you practice a very specific set of instructions that is very easy, very effortless. <clears throat> and this is really one of the signature um, things that make transcendental meditation unique. It's easy to do. There are many meditation techniques that are not easy, that are very difficult. Probably every one of your listeners has spent some time maybe at the end of a yoga instruction or with a friend or a family where they've tried to do it and they've found a little bit of frustration because it wasn't so easy to do. This is a very simple, easy set of instructions. And what takes place is that the mind, which is normally very active, we know what it means to have an active mind, right? We've all had that experience. Maybe can't fall asleep at night and the mind's just racing or how many of us have had this experience? You're reading a book, get to the bottom of the page, and you think, I have no idea what I just read because your mind was very active. This is a technique that allows the active mind to settle down. What that means is that your attention, which is normally on that very active, gotta, gotta, gotta mind, gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta have a list, gotta find my list, gotta do all these things, it begins, your attention begins to transcend the active level of the mind and go to those quieter levels that are deeper within. Now, this may sound <clears throat> somewhat mystical to some people or somewhat familiar, but it's really an experience we've all had at some point in the past. Maybe we're sitting by a lake and we're looking out and we're feeling that quietness within. Maybe we're sitting next to a loved one. Maybe we're sitting having a conversation and we're feeling this fresh wave of insight coming from within us. These are all signs of diving within, of allowing your attention to settle down. Transcendental meditation is very specific in that it allows your attention to settle down to deeper and deeper and deeper levels until it can actually experience the least excited state of consciousness. That's that inner part of life that's deeply, deeply silent. You come out of that experience and you feel more refreshed. You have, you're bringing that inner silence with you. Mm. Thank you for that. I, I think about this deep silence and how easy and effortless it is. And, and you're right. People in the, especially people that I work with, obviously, are all in the Western culture. And it seems like if we're to watch our thoughts pass by, people get attached to them. Or if we're supposed to create a vacuum and think of nothing, they go, I can't do that. Or if we're just being mindful and observing in the moment and things are happening and pe people go, I can't do it, I can't do it. The monkey mind never slows down. So your specific techniques, and I know your organization works to teach this and you teach hundreds of thousands of people in a lot of different ways to do this from schools with young children to 
hospitals and um, veterans. I mean, there's just so many different people. What makes it simple? And I know you can't teach us this in the next hour. You do a really good job teaching it. But what makes it simple? And, and how is it different from some of these other techniques? Great, great question. <clears throat> there are many different techniques. And it's not to say, oh, this technique is better than that technique. But what, you, what we want to do as reasonable, rational people is look at these techniques in greater depth and see what kind of influence, what kind of benefits they have. And um, science these days have, <clears throat> pardon me, science has really come to a greater understanding of meditation in general, and they're starting to categorize them in different ways. There's three main categories of different meditation techniques that most meditation techniques fall into. The first one is what's called focused attention. Now, when I talk about a category of meditation, this is a scientific analysis. They look at the brainwave activities. They look at the breath rate. They look at the blood pressure. They look at the blood chemistry of someone who's practicing these techniques. The first one, focused attention, is your classic kind of technique where you're focusing, concentrating, holding the mind in one area. Uh, The classic technique of staring at a candle flame and not allowing your attention to leave the candle flame or concentrating on a word or a thought or an idea and not letting your mind thinking of God and not letting in. But after some time, I think what everyone has found is that your attention is bound to go off somewhere. You're thinking candle flame, candle flame, candle, and then pretty soon it might be gee, I'd really love to get a sandwich right now or something. And then your attention, before you know it, is just drifted off. Oh, no, my God, I forgot I have to hold it. Well, the brainwave activity is very specific. And what it shows is that it's one particular area of your brain that's enlivened. And it's that same area that's called a task. It's a task-oriented type of activity. If you're learning to study French or you're learning to... Um, perfect your forehand in tennis or something like that. It's one particular area, and it's not so easy. It's generally considered to be one of the more difficult techniques. In terms of the research showing benefits, um, there have been some benefits shown in people who have been doing this. In my understanding, it's only really been people who have done this for at least two decades where they have seen some results in people doing that. But most people won't do it for two decades or even for two days because it's a very difficult thing to do. Mm. Uh, The second category um, of meditation techniques or genre of meditation in general is called open monitoring. And this is really where you'll have a group of different mindfulness techniques. Mindfulness is almost a kind of genre in its own now where there are many different types of mindfulness practice. There's the MBSR technique, there's mindful eating, mindful this, mindful that, different ways of doing it. And the research on this is not uh, not yet conclusive, but it's showing some very positive uh, effects uh, for some people. Um, the research has, but it is still just getting going. It's a couple of years old. Some of it's a little bit older, but it's not really conclusive at this point in terms of the scientific community. Scientific mm-hmm. community takes literally just years and years and years. We've had, as I mentioned, 40 years of studies, and it really took them probably 10 years before they came around. It was only last year that the American Heart Association came out with a scientific statement that said 
there really is no meditation technique that will decrease high blood pressure except for transcendental meditation. They have seen that with TM. That was after 40 years of research. So it really takes the scientific community a while before they feel the confidence um, to make these kinds of scientific statements. But mindfulness is more of a technique, uh, as you probably know, that has some analysis involved, that has some watching your thoughts, and it's um, not as difficult, certainly, as um, focused attention, but it does have some activities that you do engage in that keeps the mind active. This is, has a different effect on the brain than focused attention. This has the effect, actually, of enlivening a different part of the brain. And as I mentioned, the earlier research on this has shown some benefits. The difference between that and transcendental meditation, TM, falls into the third category, and that's the category of what's called automatic transcending. There's no thoughtfulness, there's no trying um, to create a certain feeling or a certain effect. There is literally no effort. It's a simple, effortless technique, which we can talk a little bit more about you know, in a minute, But when one practices this in this simple, effortless way, the attention, rather than engaging in some kind of analysis or some kind of um, contemplation or contemplative um, experience, actually just begins to automatically settle down. That's why they refer to it as automatic transcending. The mind just starts to settle, becomes quieter and quieter. When the mind becomes quieter, the body becomes quieter. And this is really the basis of the health benefits that we've seen with Transcendental Meditation over the years. Um, You asked one other question that I wanted to address, and how come this is so easy? It's interesting. This particular technique involves a practice that is very natural to people to do. It's based on a principle that we all have. And it's this principle that the mind is naturally attracted towards that which is more pleasant. This is something common to every human being. I think it's probably the case that none of the listeners here woke up this morning and went, oh, I hope today's the worst day of my life. (laughs) It's because (laughs) it's, it's just not natural. You are naturally attracted to that which is actually more enjoyable more pleasant. With Transcendental Meditation, we use a technique. You sit down, you close your eyes, you practice a technique which allows your attention to start going within. Now, this is a big deal right here because our attention is usually used to going out. Our attention is focused out through our senses. Right now, you're looking at something in the studio. Right now, you're hearing my voice. Your attention is focused outward. It's how we engage with the world. It's how we have relationships. It's how we go to work every day. Everything we do in our life, we're focused outwards. With Transcendental Meditation, it's a technique by creating this experience of automatic transcending. When the mind starts to settle down, it experiences more pleasant Feelings. It has. It's, it's a. It's a pleasant uh, experience. And when your mind is experiencing something that's more pleasant, it's naturally 
just gravitates in that direction. That's why it's so easy. Because if your mind settled down and it was difficult, or you were concentrating and it was you had to fight, then it wouldn't be so easy. But if it's more pleasant, your mind just continues along that trail. It's just kind of drawn within. So the technique involves allowing your attention to start going within, disengage from the senses, allow it to start going within, and then when it starts to go within, it's just kind of drawn within. Does that make sense? Mm, Yes, absolutely. You know what it reminds me of, and maybe this is a good place to even differentiate this, Sam, is what your description reminds me of is what heart math teaches with the quick coherence technique is really it's getting yourself out of the mind and just really bringing your awareness into your heart center. So again, it's that invitation to just rest inward in that is how would you describe the difference between, I'm sure you're aware of heart math and, and the quick coherence technique and focusing on the heart. What would be the difference of that automatic transcending? And, and again, I'm, I'm sure we're going to go back to that focused attention on your heart space. But really, something is just this, I love that, relaxing into this inward space. Well... I'm not that familiar with those. I have heard of these techniques, but I'm not really that familiar with it. I just kind of really stick with transcendental meditation just because that's what I've studied and that's what I know. Um, But with transcendental meditation, the technique involves the use of a sound, a specific sound, a mantra. And this sound is something that the individual would use mentally. It's not something that they say out loud. But these mantras are ancient sounds that we know have the influence when used just properly of allowing the attention to disengage from the senses from all the activity and to start to go within. That's how the technique works. So an individual might have a very busy day filled with all kinds of responsibilities. I teach TM at the largest hedge fund in the world. and A lot of these men and women there work 10, 12, 14-hour days we teach TM to members of police academies and, um, and the veterans uh, who come back with post-traumatic stress disorder. We can talk about that because, boy, does that change your brain functioning. People yeah. are subjected to just terrible things, and then they come back, and their brain changes. They come back, and their brain hasn't changed back, and we expect them to be kind of natural and normal and expect their brains to work like everyone else's, but it, there have been some changes that take place. When you introduce this particular sound called a mantra, and there are different mantras for different people, so this is a very specific class of sounds, the individual has the experience where the attention starts to disengage from all of the activity, and it starts to go within. And when it's used just properly, the individual has the experience of deep, deep, deep transcending. Now, that's kind of a simplistic way of talking about it. Um, It's very easy to do, but one has to take a course over a four-day period, about an hour and a half each day, because there are many different experiences that you'll have, and you're going to want to know how to optimize every single one of those experiences so you have the right experience, so you can have the maximum amount of deep, profound transcending. And then when you come out of that, there's no more thinking about it. You don't think, oh, I'm a meditator, I'm supposed to be happier, I'm supposed to have better health. 
you meditate, you forget about it. You go to work, you're with your family, with your friends, you just go through your life and you find there's an enrichment from that experience. In other words, there's a kind of spillover effect when your attention dives deep within and you experience these deeper levels of creativity, deeper levels of intelligence, and to use your word, deeper levels of connectivity. When you come out, your conscious attention is more nourished by those experiences. You find life in general, you could say life is easier because we've all had those days, Julie. You know what it's like when you come to work and you're just on. An athlete would say you're just in the zone. You're using literally more of your potential. Your brain is functioning better on those days. And that's exactly what happens is that when the attention starts to dive within with transcendental meditation, the brain waves change dramatically. And we talked about the brain waves with these other different um, genres of meditation or these classifications of focused attention or mindfulness. With transcendental meditation, there is a change in the brain functioning where there are different parts of the brain, as we know, the left hemisphere, the right hemisphere, the frontal lobes, the occipital lobes. And they're looking at this through an EEG machine. They find that all of the different parts of the brain start to become more coherent in relationship to each other. What that means is that the activity on the left side of your brain is actually coordinated with the activity on the right side of your brain and the frontal lobes. This is called increase of brainwave coherence. It's a very big topic in the whole field of neuroscience. The reason is, is because on those days, you're functioning better. Those days when life is easier, those days when you're in touch with your deeper levels of creativity and intelligence and inner happiness, your brain is functioning with greater levels of coherence. It's Mm -hmm. directly associated with higher levels of IQ, higher levels of moral reasoning, and higher levels of creativity as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? That just um, mirrors the introduction of all those health benefits and the, the, the so many amazing things that happen within our brain and body and as we talk about brain and body as one. So we're going to dig into that. What is stress? How does this work? How does it really have these health benefits? We're going to talk about so much more, but I want to tell our listeners before we take a break here, that four-day class that Sam is referring to, you can find that online at tm.org. That's T is in Tammy, M is in Mary.org, or T is in Tom, I think is an easy way to say that too. So tm. We're going to take a quick break when we return more on Transcendental Meditation with Sam Katz. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg! Ha ha, I win! Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? 
What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What do you say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. License and registration. But I'm walking. Do you want to upset an officer of the law? No, sir. Good. I pulled you over today for littering. Uh, I didn't litter. <laughs> wow. That's what they all say. Unfortunately, I saw you drop a pair of thunder thighs a few blocks back. Probably happened as you were biting into that apple you're holding. Uh, How did you know they're my thunder thighs? Hmm? Well, my young friend, I'd like to say two years in the police academy helped figure it out. But between us, it was smallstep.gov. Smallstep.gov? Yep, a Rooney. It's this site with tons of easy ways to lose weight. Some steps are so easy, people don't realize they're doing them. Like you taking small step number 83, snack on fruits. Go to smallstep.gov, you'll see. You can drive off now. I'm still walking. Take a small step to get healthy at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today and maybe want to share it with others, please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archives. You can listen to it again or you can look at our listing of upcoming guests and also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we love to continue the conversation. Well, Sam and I would love to hear your reflections on the show. Leave us a note. So we were talking with Sam Katz about transcendental meditation. And Sam, one of the things that I really appreciate about this 40 years of research with TM, and there's so many amazing health benefits, um, the mind-body connection, looking at that, and, and you guys really teach that this, our, I, I love that our mind and body are one. We're talking about this connection piece and you talk about how it's one thing. And you also say that, you know, this, our mind is already calm and already creative. So we just learn how to go to that quiet place where it is already calm and creative. So one of the things that we face in today's world is this stress question. And most people listening, well, I shouldn't say most people, but some people listening might say, yeah, right. My mind is already calm and creative. I don't think so. So let's talk about this science of stress, the epidemic of stress, 
And what happens to our mind-body with stress? And we know the effects of TM is reversing that and bringing us into the relaxation response quite naturally. So let's talk about stress. Sure. And I love that uh, comment you made that uh, people oftentimes when we give presentations on transcendental meditation at schools or colleges or businesses, the first thing that people will say when they listen is they'll say, maybe it's easy for you, but believe me, I've tried to meditate and it's not so easy. And the truth is, um, it's not so easy with many techniques. The reason why this is easy is because, and you really kind of hit it on the head here, Julie, we're not trying to calm the mind. We're not using concentration and effort and focus and this, this kind of um, enormous effort to try to stop that monkey mind from running around. We're actually using a technique to allow the attention to go to that part of the mind that is already quiet. We all have both levels. We all have many levels of the mind, but we all know that we've had that experience of some quietness at some point in our life. This is a technique to actually come into contact with that. And to answer your other question about stress, stress is something that uh, science really understands now in a much deeper way. The research on stress has actually been going on for quite some time, for about 50 years. But it's something that we've all inherited. And if you had a room filled with medical doctors and researchers who focus their whole attention, all of their expertise just on the concept of stress, what they would say is that there's one word that is extremely instructive in understanding what stress is, and that word is reaction. In other words, there's many different things in life that trigger stress. There's finance stress, there's relationship stress, there's job stress, there's children's stress, there's parent stress. There are so many different things, but it's not so much all about the parents or the kids or the job or the finances or the worrying. It's about our reaction to every one of those things because stress actually developed in our DNA and was passed down through our DNA as something that can protect us. And it goes, this goes back all the, way day, all the way we know to cavemen and cave women, where they'd walk out of a cave, they'd see a, they'd see a saber-toothed tiger or a cave lion, something dangerous, and here's exactly what happens. The visual image of that saber-toothed tiger comes in through the retina of the eye and it streams to the back of the brain. And then there's a part of the brain called the amygdala. It's about the size of a walnut. It's, it sits right in the center of your brain. This is like calling 911. This is the emergency response center of your brain. When you are challenged in a way that is possibly life-threatening or in some ways challenging and threatening to you, this part of your brain, the amygdala, becomes very active and it starts to send messages to your body. We have an emergency. We have an emergency. Start producing certain chemicals that'll be very helpful to you in what's possibly a life-threatening situation. Your body, you yourself, Julie, and everyone listening has, has it within their brain, this ability to start sending messages for your body to start manufacturing certain chemicals. It's often been said that the largest pharmacy in the world is inside our own human body. We start to create cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline, neoepinephrine, lactic acid. There are 30 different stress chemicals that we start to, we ourselves start to manufacture these chemicals. Why? Because these chemicals are extremely effective for us 
in dealing with emergencies. We will have faster reaction time. We will have greater strength. We will have, we'll be thinking much more quickly. We'll be able to run much faster. If you've ever heard of a story of a mother who's out sitting, by, sitting on the curb with her child who's playing around, a car starts rolling towards them, the mother stands in front of the car, literally picks up the front end of a car. We've all heard these stories. How is that possible? It's because they have the amount of adrenaline and cortisol that is flowing through their, their bloodstream at that time allows them to have levels of strength to protect themselves that they never had before. That's the good news, that when you're in the middle of a major emergency, you have something that can help you. The bad news is that we do this several times a day and that these chemicals are directly associated with higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of depression, and diminishing the ability of our immune system to function. So it's a good thing when we need it. Unfortunately, we create this when we don't need it. Cortisol is considered to be the the major stress hormone of all of them. It's the one to really pay attention to. What cortisol does is now remember your brain is telling your body that you're in the middle of a what's near in the middle of a fight or flight situation. This could be life threatening. Cortisol goes through your physiology and it starts to shut down those parts of your physiology, those organs that are using energy, because you're your brain is under the impression every single ounce of energy is needed to get away so you can preserve yourself. Cortisol shuts down your immune system. Cortisol shuts because it's using too much energy. Well, what about my, uh, I've got a cold and I have to deal with this cold. I have to to fight it. No, no, not now. We're going to shut it down because we're in the middle of emergency mode. Well, what about my digestive system? Shut it down. Reproductive system, shut it down. This isn't the time for family planning. This is the time for actually dealing with this emergency. Unfortunately, we do this several times a day, and this takes a toll on us. When there's only so many times you can diminish the effectiveness of your immune system before you start noticing, gosh, I'm getting sick more often. Gosh, I'm having aches and pains where I never had them before. Gosh, I'm finding that I'm more fatigued now than I used to be. That's also what happens when you diminish the Digestive system. I'm not digesting my food like I used to. I can't even eat that food anymore. It gives me a stomach ache. I also find that I'm more fatigued because I'm not actually allowing the vitamins and the minerals to be assimilated as well. That's what happens when we allow the stress to start building up in our physiology. Now, the reason why we're so excited about this as teachers of Transcendental Meditation is because When you practice Transcendental Meditation, and the research is really strong on this, these stress chemicals are reduced dramatically. Cortisol levels drop 30 to 40% every time you sit and practice Transcendental Meditation. Now, here's the important news. After you come out of your meditation practice, the baseline level of cortisol stays low, 30 to 40% lower. So you actually can start to recoup all of the damage that's been done in the past. Mm. So thank you, Sam, for that. When I hear you 
speaking about the brain and then the stress level and the cortisol, it makes it all really, really clear. And the, the thing you started off with that I think is important that I just want to pause for a moment and reflect on is that you're talking about our reaction to life, to these events, to what's going on. And um, there's, an, there's a cumulative response that happens within us with this practice. So not only is our body moving into a relaxation response and learning to reduce the cortisol levels and, and, and get all of our systems going again and move us into health, but it's also really stabilizing us. I'm going to just say it in my words and see if this fits for you, Sam. But, it, but the practice, the ongoing practice of transcendental meditation stabilizes us in a direct connection with that quiet mind that we're talking about. And so it really alters or transcends the way that we react to events cumulatively. So it's does that make sense? Well put. Yes, exactly. And that's what the science shows, exactly what, you're, um, what you were suggesting. Uh, there's so much strong science. Um, I, I don't want, I, you know, it can be, statistics can be boring, but here's kind of an interesting study. It was published in the International Journal of Neuroscience, and it relates directly to your comment. Um, this is a peer-reviewed journal, and they were looking at what's called biological aging. Everyone has two ages. You have chronological aging, how many birthdays you've had. I've been on the earth 50 years or 60 years. And you have biological aging. Biological age is something determined by looking at a composite of your biological systems. What's your blood pressure, your near point vision, your auditory threshold. They look at your lung capacity. They look at your memory activity. And they put all those numbers together and they'll say, you know, based on what you have going on here, you fit the the category of someone who's about 50 years old or 60 years old. Now, you could be biologically 50, but you could be actually 46 or 40 years old. There are certain things that we know age us, and they're not surprising. Um, excessive cigarette smoking will age you. It's not just bad for your lungs and not only something that can create cancer, lung cancer, but it actually will create greater aging. Your blood pressure goes up, your other systems start to uh, malfunction as well. Excessive alcohol use. We have all known people, maybe had the own, our own experience of being addicted to alcohol, and we've seen what happens. It takes a terrible toll over a number of years. There are also things that can actually decrease your biological age. What they found with people who practice transcendental meditation was interesting. At first, they looked at people who were meditating just a couple of years, two, three years. And they thought, well, let's see, people have been sitting down 20 minutes twice a day. You know, maybe they miss occasionally, but pretty much. Now, not all of these people started out very healthy. You know, some of them started specifically because they had high blood pressure or they had anxiety or, or other issues, and other people were healthy. But when they looked at this group altogether, they found that on average, people have been meditating two to three years doing transcendental meditation their biological age was five years younger on average than their chronological age. People who were 60 had an average biological age or it was closer to 55. And then they looked at people, and this is what kind of relates to your, your comment. 
What about people who have been doing it longer? Five years, six years, seven years. They looked at that group of people who have been doing it five years or longer, and they found out that their biological age was 12 years younger. So it was really quite significant, and it's exactly what you said. They don't react in as uh, in such an inappropriate way. Now, having said that, we don't want people to think that this is going to make you dull. I mean, professional athletes practice this, and we teach. I uh, teach transcendental meditation in the New York area. We teach a lot of people in the performing arts, people on Broadway, and actors, and and a lot of people in the finance industry. And they have to be at the very top of their game, as does a mom at home who wants to be able to relate to their children without the impatience or without the stress or the fatigue. They have to be functioning at their best. And if they can have a younger biological age, their memory is functioning better, their ability to respond to their child's needs is better, then they're going to be better off. Mm. Yes, thank you. So I I really appreciate bringing the real statistics and the you know the studies that are are based on longevity which is really important to us because there is a lot of different meditation techniques and people are in yoga class and they're doing shavasana and they say yeah I meditate every day because I take yoga or you know there's just a lot going on and then there's uh, you know there's contemplative practices centering prayer there's a lot of different types of meditation and the one thing that I appreciate about your organization so much is this empirical evidence right here. It's like you can't deny this. So I just want to, again, bring this back out into this global perspective because, you know, your organization and the David Lynch Foundation is getting praise from the Mayo Clinic, from Cleveland Clinic, from Forbes Magazine, Good Morning America. You have, you're telling the stories about all these celebrities who are practicing transcendental meditation now, and they're singing the praises of transcendental meditation. So thank you for that. But let's connect the dots here, Sam, for our listeners, because we've talked about stress and our response to stress and what this conditioning of, of practice does for us. But to bring it back out, that whole list that I started with at the beginning of the program in our intro, a lot of those are stress-induced illnesses and diseases. So let's just tie this back into the health. We know it improves our creativity and our intuition and our ability to learn and it calms that that mind that we were talking about all the thoughts but it affects the health because of this link with the stress is that correct yeah that is correct and the uh, connecting the dots is is very straightforward here Um, when the mind settles down the body settles down when i'm talking about settling down literally blood pressure goes down heart rate goes down um, breath rate goes down As we mentioned, the actual chemicals in your body change. You're reducing the level of cortisol. When your body gains deep rest, it has a chance, and we're talking about this profound integrated level of rest. It literally changes the blood chemistry. These these, um, stress chemicals start to be released. You are not functioning with the same biochemistry after you meditate as you were before. 
one study that was published in Circulation Magazine, which is a journal of the American Medical Association. This is a fabulous study, and it's, this is an NIH-funded study. The National Institutes of Health have provided just about $29 million in research funds over the last 10 or 15 years. They did, there's this one study that looked at people who practiced TM over a 10-year period. And what they did was they took a group of 220 people, randomly assigned. You half are going to learn TM. The rest of you are randomly assigned. You're going to learn some health education that will help you reduce um, some mild hypertension. Reduce your salt intake, get some exercise, reduce your weight, and that kind of thing. They didn't really see any change in this control group with the health education. With the TM group, there was a 48%, 48% reduction in heart attacks, stroke, and death. That's what was published in Circulation Magazine. That's why scientists are so interested in TM. They also love the fact that they can just go into a group of 300 people, randomly assign half of them, they can all learn Transcendental Meditation as opposed to not being able to master it. It's an easy thing. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much for that, Sam. It's, it, it really is easy when you guys are making it easy for us. I just want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Sam Katz, we're talking about Transcendental Meditation, and you can find him at tm.org. And then in a few weeks, we're going to talk to Bob Roth from the David Lynch Foundation also. You are out, Sam, teaching this in to veterans, to prisons, to schools, to hospitals. You are blanketing cross-culturally so many different realms and I love that. The one thing that I, I would really like to bring into this as well is not only the health benefits but one of the quotes I think that um, you, you it was on your website if I remember right it says that it is TM is trans, a transformational tool to rebuild our interior landscape. And I love that because a lot of our listeners are highly invested in world peace and creating a sustainable world. So let's just talk for a moment, if you would, Sam, before we close the show on. We're talking about transcendental meditation and all the health benefits, but also creating this inner peace is a strategy for all of us to create more world peace. Would you agree? Yes, I would. And again, uh, we look at science. It's a, it's a fascinating idea. Julie, I'll tell you, when we taught TM 20 or 30 or 40 years ago before much of this research was done, if you had gone to a doctor and said, now, my understanding is that through meditation, you can actually reduce blood pressure. You can actually improve health. Now, there's one study on a 1,000 people. Oh, they looked at, they followed them for about five years, looking at their health care utilization. And the Transcendental Meditation Group in that 1,000 people had, a, had 56%, 5'6", 56% fewer hospital admissions and doctor's visits. They looked at even cancer levels were 55% reduced in that TM group. So, but before all of that, even when that was going on, if you talk to a doctor about it, they would say, yeah, I'm not really sure. It's hard to believe. I'm not, and now I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a physician that wouldn't say, yes, there's research that shows that meditation is good for you. What's very exciting, and Julie, I think it may be the single most exciting thing, is that we found that, and there's 
50 studies on this now over the last 40 years, 50 studies showing that when somebody practices transcendental meditation, not only can it reduce the level of stress internally, but when groups practice, when enough people in a certain geographical location practice, it can start to reduce stress in the environment as well. Now, that may sound kind of fantastical in some way, but the truth is we've all had the experience. We've gone into a room where there's been an argument. We walk in, we kind of go, oh, hi, oh um, why, why don't I just come back later? <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you, you can feel it. You know, it's like, and then on the other hand, we've had the experience, maybe we're feeling a little depressed or sad. We go to a party, next thing we know, that environment has changed our approach, our thinking, our feeling. The research has shown that when there's a significant number of people practicing transcendental meditation, we've actually seen reductions in, this is a significant number, like 1% of a population. We've seen reductions in crime rate, in accident rates, and in illness as well in that community during that time. And when this started coming up, there were a lot of people who were looking at the scientists who were saying, this is a little bit far-fetched that you're actually putting scientific evidence towards. And so we did another study and another study. We actually even had programs where we went into war, violent areas and had a group of meditators in a, in a place close enough where they would have an influence and to see what happens. And the research was very, very compelling. It was even published in peer-reviewed contact uh, I'm sorry, conflict resolution journal saying maybe there's another solution than just trying to tell people to treat each other respectfully. If you can reduce the stress in the environment, just like there's stress in the human body, there is stress in the environment. If you can neutralize that even a little bit, you're going to start to see some changes going on. We think that's the greatest impact that transcendental meditation can have. Mm. I couldn't agree more. It is so exciting and I'm really grateful to you and the whole TM organization out there really bringing this forward. Sam, thank you so much for joining our show today and and talking about this really, really important solution for so many things on our planet today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, and I congratulate you, Julie, on all the great work that you're doing, and I think together, all of us can really make a change in the world. So I really wanted to thank you for years and years of work. Thank you. Mm, thank you. I really appreciate that feedback, too, as well. I just want to say, again, we're talking with Sam Katz, and you can find more about Sam on the Transcendental Meditation website, which is as in Tom, org. really simple, tm.org. And watch in the coming weeks. We are going to also have Bob Roth join us from the David Lynch Foundation. This same organization has gathered so many incredible people together, and they're doing such amazing work for hundreds of thousands of people. So what an honor and pleasure to have all of you doing this on the planet. Thank you again. So for now, again, you're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. You can find us on the website, thedrjulieshow.com. Remember, together we create connections for the greater good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <laughs> 